that they thought they were going to have a heart attack. I won't, I won't say who it is. But um, you never know that now because they speak very well, very anointed. My morning did not start out as well as I'd hoped it would. As nervous as I am, my wife asked me three times this morning if I was nervous. And I never gave her an answer. After the third time, she got kind of mad. Slammed the door on the way out of the house, went out and got in the van and sat down. Waited on me to make the, so we could go do the bus route. What she failed to realize was that due to my nerves, my tongue had now swollen <laughs> to the size of an NFL football, and I was incapable of speech. <laughs> Not really. She didn't get mad at me. You know, um, you know, truthfully speaking, we should consider it a great honor and a privilege whenever God calls us to any kind of service. As uncomfortable as it makes us sometimes. You know, God's always about doing new things in our lives. And if he wants, let me tell you something kind of dumb that I've, I've done. For the last four or five years, I felt God pulling on me to, to get more involved in leadership. And I've been trying to ignore him. Is that dumb? But that's what we do. You know, if God calls us out to some place, we have to say, well, let me think about it, Lord. Like, we're smarter than him. You know, I don't want to do this, Lord. Well, isn't it going to be for our blessings and hopefully the blessings of other people that we just say, yes, Lord, use me. I'll do it. And if I fall off the stage, then so be it. You know, so what? God's bigger than all that. And um, do we have any water up here? <laughs> I'm dry as a dusty road already. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Pastor. <laughs> oh, um, You know what? God's not very concerned about us being comfortable. He's not. He's concerned about saving people from hell. And he has to use us to do it. I mean, he could do miracles and great parting of the seas and, you know, all kinds of great things. But he chooses us, chooses to use us. I think before I get into the message, the heart of the message, I want to tell you how I got from there up to here, just briefly. You know, I told you that I, I have been ignoring the Lord for four or five years, trying to ignore Him, but you know what? God's very persistent. I can't, you can't ignore Him when He doesn't want, to be, doesn't want you to be, when He doesn't want to be ignored. And for some reason, He keeps calling me, and I say, oh, I can't hear you, Lord. I don't want to do this. But he doesn't quit. 
He's, he's just persistent. And then I think the turning point came for me uh, several months ago when there was some classes being given here at the church on Wednesday evening, Beth Moore classes. A lot of the ladies took them, and they were excellent. And how I, uh, my wife was involved in one of them, and uh, one day at home I picked up her workbook. You got a workbook, and then you came here and you watched a video, and um, you discussed it and had some homework and different things. And I picked up this workbook at home, and I just briefed through it. I just wanted to see what she was involved in. And, man, this woman just gripped me, what she had to say, Beth Moore. She was, it was excellent. And uh, I believe I said something to uh, Rick Strange, and Rick Strange said something to Pastor. And next thing I knew, we had a class of, I think the biggest we had was like seven or eight of us was there. And um, I think a couple times it was down to just two or three, but um, I think it was the second session that we met that Beth Moore said something that just gripped me, and I've never forgotten it. And she was speaking about her own personal struggle with um, finding her place in God's kingdom, allowing him to use her the way he wanted to in the way, in, instead of the way she wanted to be used. And she said this. She said, no amount of comfort is worth missing the greatest adventure one can have in this life. God has used that word adventure with me on a number of times. Several years ago, the Lord spoke to me late one night. And he said, if you, said Paul, if you will follow my plan for your life, you will have a grand adventure. I've been to Israel. I've been to Africa. I don't know what's next. I've been to Hallsville. <laughs> Where's Bruce and Donna at? Oh, there they are. God wants to use us. And if we say no, we deprive ourselves and the body of Christ. So when you feel God pulling on you, just go with it, you know. You'll be blessed. As uncomfortable as you might feel, God will bless you and use you. I have a great message for you today. And it's great because it's not my message. It's God's message. Be truthful with you, I'm not intelligent enough to put this message together. I'm really not. When I was told that I had to do this, I felt like leaving the country. <laughs> but <laughs> but I started praying and asking God for a message, and he gave me one. Why do I say it's 
God's message, well, there's different reasons. I know how I received it from him. Piece by piece, he just laid it out there for me. Secondly, oh, just a few days away, we are on, we are going to celebrate our great American holiday. It's an original. We invented it, sort of. God invented it by bringing us here. Thanksgiving. So I asked the Lord, Lord, would you give me a message on Thanksgiving, the giving of thanks? It surely is appropriate. He didn't give me one. I was scheduled to speak back in May, first time. And um, the Lord gave me a message. It was kind of tough. I didn't know if I could give it. I ran some of it by my wife, and she said, I don't think that's tough. Well, she's not looking at it from my perspective. Um, well, that, that speaking date in May got canceled, and I was scheduled to get, go again in July. Well, that date got canceled. So here I am today with the same message that God gave me in May he gave me in July, and he gave me for today. He, wouldn't let, he would not release me from this message. I want you to keep in mind that we come here to, to the church for two reasons, a dual purpose. Out of love, the Lord calls us here so that we can minister to him and he to us. And I want you to keep that in mind as you hear this message. I think I'll go back to early spring. I was, of this year, I was uh, doing some odd chores around the house, out in the yard, just kind of getting things ready to start doing some, you know, yard work and things like that. And I wasn't having a very good day. I was troubled in my heart in my spirit, man. And I was talking to the Lord a lot. Matter of fact, I was doing all the talking. <laughs> you ever do that? You don't give him time to speak. And I was concerned about where my nation was headed. I, w I don't want to get into politics, but we had just elected someone that I wasn't very high on. Let's put it that way and leave it that and I was troubled. I'm a product of a farm. I was born on a farm, raised on a farm. Matter of fact, I was born in the very bed that my grandparents slept in. There was a big snow on, and there wasn't any travel, so my grandmother brought me into the world. And I was raised up there, and I have a great appreciation for my country for the woods and the fields and the crop fields. And, you know, this is, we're known as the church in the cornfield. I like that. I think that's why God brought me here. And, but I, I love, we just went through the season of the fall, and it's beautiful out when it's, all the leaves are different colors and the crops are coming in and 
on the way home from work every day, I would look out across the hillsides as I drove down Dry Run Road and uh, Marietta and those kind of places, and I would just appreciate the beauty of our country. And I was concerned and I was grieved in my heart about, about where my country was headed. You know, what awaits my grandchildren, my children. And I was telling the Lord about all these things. And then I guess I got quiet enough for him to say something to me. And what he said to me was this. He said, the church of America is weak and asleep. And it shook me. Physically, it shook me. I had to find a place to sit down. In my heart, I knew it was true. We are not the church that Jesus is coming for. I sat and I listened for a while. I didn't hear any more. can't tell you how much it grieved me, how much it made me cry. Why did the Lord tell me that? Because he loves us. He loves our nation. He loves us as a people. And he wants us to be his church. Over the next couple of weeks, I just started Putting together, that's all I thought about was what he had said to me. I started putting things together about why are we weak, Lord? Why is your church weak? And the Lord said that to me. If I've ever heard the Lord say anything to me, he said that to me. So I started writing things down. I came up with quite a list different reasons why I thought we were weak, why the Lord said we were weak. And my wife and I have the luxury of, of um, having one of our family members living on the same property with us, pastor and Rachel and the the gang, as we call them. <laughs> well, we refer to two of them as the girls, Christiana and Sierra. The girls come up. The girls did this. The girls did that. And one day they came up. And they, as usual, they always want to watch some kind of a movie. So they picked out a movie, and it was Lion King. We're sitting there watching this movie, and something wonderful happened. We're going to watch a clip from The Lion King, the first clip, about three minutes long, I think, something like that. And <clears throat> to set it up for you, it's where Simba has left the pride land as a baby, and he's gone off and lived and grew up in another place, and um, 
He's got two new friends. And, but his childhood friend, Nala, has found him. And she's confronted him with something. And we'll pick it up there. Jason, if you would, please. Billy needed you at home. No one needs me. Yes, we do. You're the king. Nala, we've been through this. I'm not the king. Scar is. Simba, he let the hyenas take over the Pride Land. What? Everything's destroyed. There's no food, no water. Simba, if you don't do something soon, everyone will starve. I can't go back. Why? You wouldn't understand. What wouldn't I understand? No, no, no. It doesn't matter. Hakuna Matata. What? Hakuna Matata. It's something I learned out here. Look, sometimes bad things happen. Simba. And there's nothing you can do about it. So why worry? Because it's your responsibility. Well, what about you? You left? I left to find help. And I found you. Don't you understand? You're our only hope. Sorry. What's happened to you? You're not the Simba I remember. You're right. I'm not. Now are you satisfied? No, just disappointed. You know, you're starting to sound like my father. Good. At least one of us does. Listen, you think you can just show up and tell me how to live my life? You don't even know what I've been through. I would if you just tell me. Forget it. Fine. She's wrong. I can't go back. What would it prove anyway? It won't change anything. You can't change the past. You said you'd always be there for me. But you're not. And it's because of me. And it's my fault. It's my fault. Asante sana squash banana we win Come on, will you cut it out? Can't cut it out. It'll go right back. <laughs> Creepy little monkey. Will you stop following me? Who are you? The question is, who are you? I thought I knew. Now I'm not so sure. Well, I know who you are. Shh, come here. It's a secret. Uh, enough already. What is that supposed to mean, anyway? It means you're a baboon. And I'm not. <laughs> I think you're a little confused. Wrong. I'm not the one who's confused. You don't even know who you are. Oh, and I suppose you know. Sure do. You're Mufasa's boy. You know who you are? You are Jehovah's boy. You are Jehovah's girls. 
When that came on the TV screen, the Lord spoke to me so clearly. That's the answer that I've been looking for. The church of America does not know who they are. There's other reasons involved, but this is the one that the Lord gave me to give to you so that we could become more than what we think we are. Now, I want to caution you one word about this. Not to be arrogant about it. Humility goes a long way with the Lord. To walk humbly before Him. To do justly. And to love mercy. But God says the church of America is much more than what we think we are. And the devil comes along and beats us up day in and day out. We win one battle in ten and we think we've done good. It's the truth. We don't know who we are. We don't fully understand what the Lord has given us when he gave us Jesus. Where does Jesus live? He lives in here. Jason, would you put the first scripture up on the screen, please? Isaiah 54, 17 says, No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Romans 8, 31 says, If God be for us, who can be against us? In Luke 10, 19, God said, he gave us the authority over the power of the enemy. We have the authority over him. He doesn't have authority over us. That's the truth. You know, I was thinking when Aaron asked me to do this, told me I had to do this. <laughs> um, I thought, what if God doesn't give me a message? Then what? And here's what I had determined in my heart to do. I was going to tell the pastor, I'm sorry, pastor, but I can't give, I can't give anything. I didn't get anything. You're going to have to get someone else because I'm not going to give you my opinion. My opinion doesn't carry a whole lot of weight when it comes to, about, when it comes to power and authority. The only opinion that matters is what God said about us. Listen, church, we need to get a hold of this. We really, really do. God wants us to be everything that he's created us to be. Getting ahead of myself. I would have told him, I said, I'm sorry, Pastor. I can't do it. I didn't get a message. God does not, all I have to give you is my opinion. I'm not going to do that. The only opinion that matters is God's, and he doesn't have an opinion. He has the truth. Where am I? <laughs> he gave us the authority. We have the authority. 
Let's use it. First John 4, 4 says, Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Satan doesn't hold a candle to us. Not really. He's a roaring lion. That's all he is. Someone once said he's a toothless lion. <laughs> God said in 1 John 3, 8, that he came to destroy the works of the devil. He lives in us. Colossians 1.13, he has delivered us from the power of darkness. Hallelujah. That's right. Colossians 2, 9 and 10 says, God said we are complete in him. 2 Corinthians, you keeping up with me, Jason? 2 Corinthians 10.4 says, our weapons are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. What is our weapon? Our biggest weapon. Prayer. What kind of prayer? How about fervent prayer? You know, I asked the Lord about that. What is fervent prayer? You know what he told me? He took me to the scriptures where Jesus was in the garden right before they came and arrested him. He prayed fervently that night. It says that great drops of blood poured out of him. That's fervent prayer. We give up when we offer up a little wimpy prayer and then we're on our way again, you know? Colossians 2.15, he has disarmed principalities and powers, triumphing over them. I like that word. You know what? Pastor Eric received from the Lord the name for this church. God doesn't want us to be just a name that we hang over our door. He wants us to be it, to be church triumphant. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 and 58 says, He has given us victory through our Lord Jesus, and we are to be steadfast and immovable. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 2.14, he always leads us in triumph in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. There was a guy named Moses. When God walked with him, he overthrew a superpower with a stick. I was going to get me a big stick, bring it in here today, but I... Oh, maybe I better not. He did. He took Egypt down because of their meanness to the Jewish people. And all he used was a stick. What God worked through. Does God walk with us? My Bible says he will never leave us and never forsake us. He walks with us daily. Mickey Robinson was here, and he said, you know what he said? He said that we should be a terror to the enemy. I like that word. That was a good word from Mickey, a terror. I'm reminded of Smith Wigglesworth. He was an Englishman, I believe. He was a plumber by trade. God called him into his service, and he was in bed one night, sleeping. And his 
wake, he was awakened by his bed jumping up and down all over the place. And he raised up on one arm and looked, and there stood the devil himself standing at the foot of his bed. He said, oh, it's only you, and went back to sleep. That's the way we should be. It's only you, devil. Hit the road, Jack. <laughs> the Lord dropped something into my lap the other day. I was thinking about this lesson and had to come from the Lord. It came from nowhere. I was thinking about all of a sudden President Obama came to my mind in the book that he wrote called The Audacity of Hope. Our God wrote a book. And today he told me I could call it The Audacity of Faith book. Dare to believe what he says about us in here. God is not a liar. He speaks truth. When is the church, his church, going to believe him that we are more than what we think we are? I don't even know what we are. We can be, we're, we're kings. We're priests. We're called. We're supposed to go change the world. How did the disciples change the world? They did. They changed the world because Jesus went with them. The power that lives in us, the Holy Spirit. The audacity of faith book. Dare to believe what he said about us. There was a man, there was a story of a man who came to America and he was known all over the world as a great tightrope walker. He could walk anywhere on a rope or a wire. And he came to America and he asked for permission to walk across the falls. I mean the Niagara Falls. You ever been there? I've been there several times, coming back from Canada on fishing trips and things. It's incredible, beautiful. And he came to America, and he asked for permission. They gave him permission. He said, go ahead. We'll pick your body up on the rocks after you wash ashore. Well, he strung his wire from one side of the falls to the other. And he walked it. Great crowd gathered, thousands. He walked across, and he walked back. And he walked across again, and he walked back. He did that several times. Then he took a wheelbarrow, and he pushed it across. By this time, the crowd was going crazy. And then he walked backwards, <laughs> pulling that wheelbarrow. He did that two or three times. On the last trip back, he asked him, he said, do you think I could put a man in here? Yeah, sure. They were believers now. And he asked for a volunteer. No one stepped forward. You see, they believed here, but they didn't believe in here. Alistair Bagg said that 
there's a vast difference between saying you believe and believing. That is the great truth. We say we believe. You know, all of us do. Say that we believe this word. But do we really believe it? I'm convinced that if the church would start being the church, start doing what the church is called to do and be, that the world would stop laughing at us and ridiculing us. And they would be at our doors wanting in. It's true. The world laughs at us. They think we're crazy. Jason, would you show that last clip, please? We've got one more clip, and then we'll be done. Bye. Hey, wait. You knew my father? Correction, I know your father. I hate to tell you this, but he died a long time ago. Nope, wrong again. <laughs> He's alive, and I'll show him to you. You follow old Rafiki, he knows the way. Come on. That's not my father. It's just my reflection. No. Look hard. You see, he lives in you. Simba, you are more 
than what you have become. You must take your place in the circle of life. How can I go back? I'm not who I used to be. Remember who you are. You are my son and the one true king. Remember. He lives in you. He really does. He lives in us. That's what he said. And he says that we need to remember who we are. And the church will be the church. We will move forward as a mighty moving force. If there is anyone here today who does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, today would be a great day to know him, to come to know him. All of us in here that are born again have some time or another, some place or another, knelt down and asked the Lord to forgive us and come into our lives. I tell you what, the Bible says that all heaven rejoices when one sinner repents, we will not make fun of you. We will rejoice with you in all of heaven. We will celebrate a new life. The home group leaders, please come forward. If you have a need, prayer requests, you can come to one of the home group leaders and they'll be in agreement with you. Remember who you are. Don't take this message, please, and just file it somewhere under a good message file or a bad message file, whichever you choose. Think about it. Look it up. Find out what the Lord says about us. I just gave us a few. I could have gave you a list from here to the doorway of what he says about us. If you have a need, come.